Welcome to Media Business. I really appreciate you joining the pod. I'm Tony Connolly here on the Michigan Business Network. Our guest today, and we're going to dive into some political news, is James David Dixon. He's the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential, and he joins us. James, how are you, my friend? Excellent. How are you guys doing today? We're doing very well. Appreciate your time. We got a lot to talk about. I want to dive right in. I read your story and I thought it was fascinating. And it was titled Ford Loses Billions on EVs Despite Government Subsidies. Ford Motor Company will lose $5 billion in two years on electric vehicles. Talk about this story, James. Yeah, that number is stunning. And so, you know, while Ford did make some healthy profits, I believe the year it lost $3 billion on EVs, it made something like $12 billion with internal combustion vehicles, you know, the problem with this is that you run out of billions eventually Mm -hmm. and add in the fact that, you know, you add in the pressure from regulators and state officials to move toward the EV. You add in statements from company officials where, you know, the EV is almost akin to a new founding of the company. And what you have is Michigan's perhaps most important company, not its biggest, but maybe it's most important trading in an advantage that it excels in to move into this world that's not even profitable, all at the behest of government regulators. You know, so that's the stick, but then the carrot being these subsidies. When it comes, James, to the Green New Deal and and the tree-hugging world, I'm always fascinated at watching business deal with this because it's one thing to want to please government and please the folks who just love to be green, but business is business. Business is business. But what you find is that automobiles are one of the most regulated industries there is. And that's on a good day. That's when the regulators like you. So no one wants to be crossways of this thing. You'd had, you know, California for a while wanting to have their own vehicle emission standards. And then Trump blocked that. And then Biden let them do it. So you could find yourself on the wrong side of both states and the federal government if you play this wrong. So companies, even if they're losing money, they have to pretend as though and some of them are not even pretending, but they all have to go along with it in their statements that this EV revolution is what we want to. So, James, in your story, you wrote that despite massive government support for EVs, which included $7,500 in a federal tax credit, Ford expects to lose $3 billion this year. They lost a little bit more than $2 billion last year. And they even got $100 million from the state of Michigan to hire more than 3,000 workers to build these. Two months later, Ford laid off 3,000 white-collar workers, mostly from the state of Michigan. Man, what do you think the rest of 2023 holds for Ford? You know, I call it the EV okey-doke. And you really saw it clearly and just cleanly last year. So, you know, June, the company has given $100 million to hire 3,000 factory workers who are going to build EVs. In August, then it lays off 3,000 white-collar workers. And if any lawmaker had thought that that's the deal they were signing up for, Let's trade 3,000 white-collar jobs for 3,000 blue-collar. They probably don't do it. But, you know, since green and EV is on the tip of everybody's tongue, 
Gretchen Whitmer wants 2 million EVs on the Michigan roads by 2030. People go along and they get along, even as they're signing on for our state's destruction. So here we are, 2023. The governor wants 2 million EVs, as you mentioned, on the road in 2030. Well, Michigan had only 17,500 EVs registered in 2021. We got a long way to go. Long way to go, Tony. And what worries me is how much government money will it take to get there? How much government money will be burned in the process of getting to this magic number of $2 million? And what I wonder, James, is will we see some automakers go bankrupt because of this or really face some significant financial challenges? You know, you always wonder, Tony, what's going to happen when the rubber hits the road? When the economics and what the regulators want from you are now so out of whack, let's say that the appetite for subsidies dries up in two years. What's going to happen then? We're talking with James David Dixon, and he is just so kind to talk with us today. When we come back, we're going to talk with him about his story, the National Popular Vote Plan would disenfranchise Michigan voters. We'll learn more about that here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly, and this is Media Business. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business. James David Dixon is the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. We recently wrote a story about the national popular vote plan would disenfranchise Michigan voters. It's been pretty interesting at how our state is really important when we talk about national elections. It is. Oftentimes we play an important role. And, you know, on the few times we don't, I think it was, what, 2012 or maybe even 2008, when it was clear that Michigan was going to go toward the Democrats, the Republicans pulled out a little bit early. And people still remember that to this day because it was the one time we were denied a true battleground status. So let's talk about what the advantages of being a battleground state. We like it when presidential candidates come to Detroit for the Labor Day parade. We like it when they feel the need to show their face here, because that tends to mean they're going to make promises that benefit Michigan. And that tends to mean that they're talking with our political officials. It all works out in our favor. The more Michigan is on the tips of tongues in Washington. And so we like that scenario. And with national popular vote, not only would Michigan not be a battleground state, there wouldn't be a such thing as a battleground state. Where do you think we stand with that? Do you think we're going to see that come to fruition? It is very early in the process. And fortunately, you know, even if it were to pass in Michigan, so how it would work is 
when enough states that have the electoral votes for 270, enough to elect the president, when enough states have signed on to this compact, it goes live. The problem with that idea is it still needs to be approved by Congress and it could still be shot down in court. So we're a long way from this happening. But what people need to know, currently they have 195 of the 270 votes. If Michigan adds in its 15, that brings it up to 210. That is striking distance. We're talking about a presidential cycle, maybe two, from having a scenario where if someone wins the popular vote by one vote, they get a block of 270 electoral votes. That's is, gross. Is this a situation that's being pushed by one party or another? I read a piece that you made me aware of where former Democratic and Republican chairs both agree on that. I found that interesting. You know what's funny about this is that when Democrats support this plan, they tend to be true believers. You know, so of the two men on that article, you know, the Democrat, Mark Brewer, and the Republican, Saul Anuzis, both, you know, former party chairs here in Michigan, Saul, the Republican, has made far more money doing this, and his company has been paid far more money doing this. Democrats like it because they believe this is the road to a permanent Democratic presidency, right? They think that they're going to get this thing and they'll probably never lose again. Republicans tend to like it when they've been paid to say they like it. So outside of California and Texas and Florida and Pennsylvania and Ohio and a couple of other big states, the Dakotas, Montana, Idaho, the smaller states, contrary to what the founding fathers want, will be taken out of the mix. I mean, if anything, people say right now that that's the problem of the current system, right? Is that these states, you know, aren't visited enough. Well, help me understand why a candidate would go to a state with 3 million people when there's many more votes to be had elsewhere. And so the game, it'd be like the NBA finals, right? It's a best of seven series. It doesn't matter whether you win the games by one or by a hundred. They're trying to change the game to say that the team that has the most points at the end of the series wins. Those are fundamentally different ball games. And I have to think that when this reaches the Supreme Court, as it no doubt will, and the defenders of the national popular vote are asked why they didn't just amend the Constitution, that answer is not going to be a good one and it's not going to reflect well on the plan. James, there's been much discussion about how the judicial system, the political system is kind of driving everything in our country now. And when it comes to journalism, I find it fascinating what Matt Taibbi has had to endure as someone who was on the Hill talking, being interviewed by political folks talking about the fairness or unfairness of journalism. And while this was happening, the IRS visits his home. What's your take on that story? <laughs> you know, that is the system really trying to show its power and trying to show that nobody's off limits. You know, Taibbi is, you know, kind of a darling in the Elon Musk circle, and he's brought in as an expert by the Republicans. And they're saying, you can't be fortified against us. When the state wants you, the state will get you. And so it's meant to drive a chill, but what it's actually going to do is just show that the links they go to and how desperate they are to have all of us on the same page 
And anyone watching has to question, now, why would that be? James, what do you and your colleagues think of this? What would you do if you had law enforcement or the IRS show up at your front door? Well, I'd probably make sure I, you know, stop by TurboTax and <laughs> make sure we got that buttoned up. But, uh, you know, and it's not ideal because it's so clearly politically motivated. And the question we have to ask as citizens is, why aren't they afraid of giving the image of this being politically motivated? Normally, that would be a deterrent. Why isn't it now? We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor for Michigan Capital Confidential. When we come back, we're going to talk about the biggest stories so far of 2023 when it comes to politics and business and what we can expect as we get into the year. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. something to grow it takes time like the equity in your home that's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended now can we get a new roof not so much the rest of the house want the best rates for a home equity line of credit ask for LaughQ stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity LaughQ your credit union for life Welcome back to Media Business. We're talking with James David Dixon. James, so far, 2023, what's been the biggest political stories? I would say I actually just had a little Twitter thread on it this morning. I'm at down I-75 on Twitter. It's my favorite freeway in Michigan. But there's two in Michigan, Michigan bills that I think are important. And then there's two more in Lansing I think are important. But the two bills in Michigan, we talked about one of them is the national popular vote. That's House Bill 4156. Everyone should read that bill because, you know, right now, whoever gets the most votes in Michigan wins the Michigan electoral vote. The only way the Michigan vote tally would matter under this system is in the event of a tie and the national popular vote. So 150 million, 200 million votes thrown into a pot and that pot is tied. Only then would the state tally count. So basically, that's statistically impossible. And what it means is your state vote would never count. The other one is House Bill 4235. And that was submitted by a first-year rep, Alabas Farhat, out of Dearborn. And this would make any Michigan taxpayer would be on the hook for their neighbor's union dues. Mm. Because it would make union dues tax refundable. So let's say your union dues right now are 500 Okay, you know, probably won't get a check out of that. But let's say they made it 5000 Let's say they made it 10000 You don't care what it is because you know you're getting all that back in April. This is the recipe for corruption. It's an invitation to corruption. James, what do you expect to be the biggest stories of the second quarter of 2023, politically? Okay, so, you know, these are the Washington stories. I'm very interested in seeing what's going to happen. Both houses of Congress have now voted in favor of terminating the COVID-19 emergency that's been going on for three years. And that's important because the emergency is set to terminate on May 11th on its own. And the 118th Congress is of a mind that we're not going to 
wait for the executive branch to do the right thing. We're going to direct them to end this crisis. And that's a big change from years past. And another way this manifests is another thing they're trying to end is the Iraq War of 2002. And so the Senate, the harder house to get, right? It's hard to wrangle senators to do anything. And even the Senate has voted and in favor of terminating the 2002 Iraq War authorization. James, what do you think the biggest business stories have been so far this year? You know, I would say the right to work repeal in Michigan would probably be the biggest one because, you know, people forget that the first decade of this century was a lost decade and Michigan was in a one state recession and we were not a right to work state back then. And we were led by a Democratic governor. And then a little bit of reasonableness peeked through the clouds. We get right to work. We go a decade with that. And now it's been repealed and we have a Democratic governor and we're not a right to work state. And so they want to force workers to join unions, to pay unions, and then they want to force taxpayers to pay those union dues. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the macro situation of our state, it's worrying because what's viable about a place that has chosen winners and losers and the vast majority of us are the losers. James, what do you perceive will be the biggest business stories of the second quarter? I'm interested to see what's going to happen with these business subsidies that Lansing is continuing to hand out. It's so funny when we got into it with our friends from Progress Michigan, where you know they're still in that decade-ago mindset where the Democrats are the scrappers and they oppose all this corporate welfare and they're fighting for the people. Well, it's, 2012 was a long time ago. Because the 2023 Democrats are all for it. They love picking winners and losers because to them, that's an extension of government power. It makes them more powerful personally as being the holders of those purse strings. And so, you know, in three bills, we had Lansing give out, I want to say something like $5 billion picking winners and losers. And that's not even the budget. We had a, what, a $76 billion budget last year. With all Democrats, we could conceivably in the next few years see Michigan's first $100 billion budget. Hmm. And final question I have for you, I want you to talk a little bit about the story that was titled Between Lansing Runs, the senator sat on the board of a nonprofit that got a $5 million earmark. Talk a little bit about that story, James. Yeah, so the senator in that case is Sam Singh. He's a former mayor of East Lansing. And, you know, from what we have paper on, he seems to have did it right. He joins the board after leaving the legislature. He joins the board of a nonprofit called Global Detroit. And they got this appropriation for something where they're going to like a job training or training people to be trainable at jobs, that kind of deal. And so his service on the board takes place between 2019 and late last year. So the appropriation was granted last year, during which time Singh was actually running for a Senate seat. And when he was in Lansing previously, he was a leader. Now that he's returned to Lansing, he's a leader. So he says he had nothing to do with the appropriation, but with the friends and family nature of Michigan, do you even have to ask your friends for a favor? Or do they see you know, that you've been involved in this thing and people, oh, what's Sam up to nowadays? 
Let's help Sam out. It can be stinky without anyone doing anything wrong. Do you think there'll be an investigation? Who would investigate? Hmm. Dana Nessel? Hmm. The Joe Biden U.S. Department of Justice? And so that is when you're truly in a banana republic situation where it doesn't matter what has happened. If there's no one to investigate, there's no such thing as justice. James David Dixon is the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. You can follow him on Twitter. As always, James, thanks so much for your time, sir. I appreciate you greatly. Hey, thank you, Tony. This is the Media Business Podcast. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network.